0: Last time, on Funk. When it becomes just bones
1: before it comes back together,
0: um, I want to wrap it up in
1: my cape. You can do that. I just want you to be aware it's going to ruin your cape for it to be filled with maple syrupy bones.
2: Dude, put that skull back. No. You can't just be taking people's skulls.
1: Claudia says, if we go back up through the window and try to grab her, are you going to stop us? Is that where we are right now? You're kind of in a bind here. You can't really stop us without becoming criminals yourselves. I have silver
0: knives. Does that count?
1: So, I'm not going to make you (laughs) roll for undead knowledge. You know that silver interacts with uh, ghosts, and you know you have something silver. That's what you know.
3: Is that you, Max? Mr. Hawthorne?
1: As was established, he was very protective of Alice, and you, you guys acted in her best interest. All right, so you guys enter the sacrum. Kind of a silvery skin, like long, luxurious hair, purple priest robe on, that the warden is an angel. They absolutely cannot, under any circumstances, lie. That's just a thing about them. And they also know always when someone is lying to them.
2: Dora writes in her Gany book, which is like a diary, Mm -hmm. but instead of Dear Diary, it starts with Dear Gany.
4: Master the Undead. Subjugate the Living. So, like, as we go back, Zoe's walking towards the Tarsus like she's about to go for a drink. Yeah, Uh, And instead, she stops and she sees Noe, who's and initiated into the lilies and she just kind of watches her from afar and sees her kind of being accepted and then kind of like puts her hands in her pocket and just kind of walks away uh back towards the avant-garde headquarters with like a small smile on her face
1: everyone around here just calls me the warden because i keep all the bad people locked away but uh you can call me warden light
0: what do i roll for bumbershoot to know how to murder an angel
1: Uh, the only thing that comes to mind is you do know someone with a sacred artifact blessed by a dragon god
0: (laughs) yeah which is very powerful someone's about to die
1: The first mission that the avant garde have completed as a quartet, obviously they had done stuff in the past, but the first one with the, the team as the audience knows it, ended with a non violent solution. There were a number of ways it could have gone, obviously. It's very open ended, but I had in mind that there could have been anywhere from like one to four po- possible final bosses to that. The caretaker, which Bumbershoot disposed of <laughs> by locking it in a chest. Uh, Alice, who could defend herself if push came to shove, but never was given a reason to. The possibly vengeful ghost of Maximilian Hawthorne, if he had been given a reason to get violent, which he did not. And then The Rocks, if they had been forced to defend themselves in any way, were formidable opponents. Instead, Roland was kind and open and honest. Bumbershoot was resourceful and kind of uh, tricky and sticky. (laughs) And Theodora ran away and caused a distraction after doing a bunch of good investigating. Uh, But the question is, how does Zoe LeGrand feel about her first mission as a bounty hunter?
4: Uh, you know, I think in some ways she's, she's not happy with herself, ultimately, because she had made a big point going into this, how she was going to prove herself. It still weighs on her, the fact that she didn't really get the approval of anyone, like Roland and uh, Theodora both gave her votes of approval, but she hadn't passed either of their tests in her mind, so she came into this sort of saying, I'm going to prove myself here, and didn't really in her mind, because she didn't accomplish any of the actual task, but that's kind of her not seeing the forest through the trees, if you know what I mean. She only sees that there really wasn't a success to the mission, and she feels like she didn't play a big part in even the result they got to all her magic did was kind of cause problems along the way. I mean, it actually did solve a number of things, but it's easy to
1: forget or to kind of gloss over things like the unlocking wave, which she really didn't have any control over. And, um, some of her contributions vis-a-vis maple syrup, <laughs> <laughs> um, which like helps stick all the bones together in the sack and stuff like just like little things, but I can see why yeah. she didn't get down on herself. And plus, since you guys didn't bring back a target, which you you could have, to be clear. Sometimes I don't I wanna like leave things to interpretation, but I wanna be clear, they could have brought Alice in, that was a legitimate option. Um, but you did not, and so none of you got rewards, which means Zoe's like living in a really bare room. She didn't get like any of the things to personalize it, which would have uh gone a little bit towards making her feel at home. So there's like emotional stakes to this failure, which yeah. I think are pretty interesting even if they didn't end in like a cool boss fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. But another thing is, during the time between your first and second big mission with the avant-garde, you do do some other stuff with and without the party, including um, some magical training to get to level 7. I assume you took that in Sorcerer?
4: Yes. Actually, no. I took it in Robot Dog. (laughs) You're really angling for that one, huh? I'm telling you. This this is is the build-up. I mean, you could always
1: swerve on them and get, go barbarian or something, but if you want to explain what a level 7 sorcerer gets, because uh, you kind of, at, at this high of a level, you've kind of established what you do, and you just get kind of a little bit better at that one thing.
4: Yeah, so uh, for level 7 sorcerer, it's not that much different from level 6 sorcerer. The major difference is you get another spell known, because the way sorcerers kind of work in comparison to other spell casting types is uh, they get a very limited number of spells that they know. Uh, they can't learn spells naturally, essentially. They just have to gain them via level ups. Like a wizard can copy down spells or something like that, and others have access to their entire spell list, whereas sorcerers have a very limited selection of that. So she basically gets another spell known, and this is also the first level where she has access to uh, one level four spell slot. So I have access to essentially uh, another tier of power.
1: So, what uh, spells did you take for this level?
4: So, Stone Shape isn't actually technically a sorcerer spell. We're kind of uh, blending the line a little bit in this, but it seems to fit uh, sort of thematically with the fantasy I have with Zoe of being kind of like an elemental sorcerer. The spell itself basically enables the user to uh, manipulate stone in a small area around them, essentially like a, think of like a five by five kind of radius that you can mold uh, any stone into a desired shape turn it into an object or just clear it out if you needed to like create a doorway to go through a stone wall or through the floor or something like that as long as it's no more than five feet uh, thick all right so just one spell yeah well that's all i get oh sorcerer yeah that's that's it i got one and i'm done it was was a real quick level up
1: yeah uh, that's part of why i was so enthusiastic and committed to the wild magic thing is that i think the the base sorcerer in the game as written is a, is a little blase so that's why i like to get kind of weird with it and i think it's paid off oh absolutely
4: Th- this is a hundred percent been what i was kind of hoping for when playing a wild sorcerer because that's the fun to be is the idea of you know when you cast spells there's a chance that something crazy is going to happen whether it's good or bad it just happens and like the narrative effects that come from that like it's such a fun like them- uh, thematic idea, so the fact that it's occurring like this works absolutely for me.
1: Yeah, actually, let me pull up the Wild Magic list just in case you decide to get saucy <laughs> with us here. Um, okay, yeah.
4: I'm just like, guys, look what I can do! And just teleport three times up into the air.
1: Yeah, that's that's always the the fear, the deep fear in my heart, is that you will decide to just blow all your spell slots simultaneously, <laughs> just f- for the gigs, <laughs> <laughs> for the giggles. Yeah. Just like, oh oh, man, we only got two more minutes of this recording. Anybody want to do anything to end this episode? (laughs) Uh, I cast fireball six times. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I mean, God, that would ruin the entire thing, huh? Um,
4: one, one day maybe. Oh no.
1: Okay. So (laughs) what does Zoe do on her days off as the new person in town?
4: Well, Zoe doesn't truly have any days off because she is here for purpose. (laughs)
1: she's always on that grind
4: she she is always working always hustling Uh gotta make that gotta make that bank by bank i mean information as to the mystery of ilium that's that's her purpose for being here so her time off is going to be spent trying to further herself to that because the the avant-garde i'm sad to say are just a means to an ends for her to kind of find out more about ilium bounty hunting isn't her true passion in life
1: although it's not as if she doesn't like Roland and Theodora, at least.
4: Oh no, no, no! I, I, mean that more as a joke. She likes. Uh, she doesn't have any issue with the the avant-garde, but I just mean that is ultimately the reason she's here. It would almost be more fair to say that the avant-garde and the bounty hunting is something she just has to do on the side to continue finding out information about Ilium.
1: All right. So where does she start her investigation? This is like her like Sherlock Holmes vignette
4: uh well she puts on her hat her sherlock holmes hat mm-hmm.
1: the deer deer stalker is
4: that what that hat is called yeah i think so and it's got some of the super saiyan hair poking out through it oh yeah <laughs> and then i think the first person she's going to meet is somebody who is uh very significant that she did not know of prior to uh basically the night before which is the uh the warden
1: yep warden light the angel yeah dude i don't remember if we said this on mic but there are a couple of different kinds of angel but for, as far as anyone in town knows, like, he's just an angel. Um, it's not, like, common knowledge about, like, the different phylums <laughs> in there.
4: I'm gonna say, in and out of character, I have no idea what the different kinds of angels are. So I I see an angel, and I'm like, that's an angel. Yeah. And it ends there. I'm not gonna be like, that's a red-breasted, uh, <laughs> northern stalk angel.
1: affiliated woodpecker angel, yeah. So you go to the Sacrum, mm. the big white tower in the center of town, and no one's there. <laughs> Pretty much everyone in this town is like a fugitive or a criminal or a gangster or something. So no one really goes to the Angel's House in the big imposing white
4: tower of judgment. <laughs> really oh yeah I thought i was gonna I thought i was gonna meet some uh colorful characters like it'd be moss eisley in here <laughs> yeah he
1: just has one little cantina band guy with
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> they're all just in the corner playing jazz music over there burr, burr,
2: burr, burr,
1: burr, burr, burr. on an aside he had to know right <sighs> like
4: george lucas had to know i don't know that dude has so many weird thoughts on various things that i think he was just in his own world okay i mean they don't remember they don't wear underwear in space so yeah why would jizz music be weird
3: yeah
1: george lucas super mega pervert on the dl um (laughs) (laughs) all right so you open the doors to the sacrum and you just kind of walk inside and there's a small uh ground floor room this little chapel and it is empty there's nobody in
4: here right now. There's just a couple of empty pews and a pulpit. Um, and there's a door in the back. I guess she's just going to kind of look around to kind of uh, not investigate as in I want to do a check for it. But I think she just wants to kind of check out some of the architecture to this place. You know, beyond the fact it's a giant pillar in the middle of town. Uh, I think it would just it probably looks different than I think the rest of town does as well.
1: The rest of the town kind of looks like the, you know, Edwardian, Victorian, Jacobian era, British highlands like simple houses built by people who were just like chilling on cliff tops and tending sheep or whatever this building looks like it was made with a much more care and deliberation and exacting standards with like marble stones and other kinds of like magical techniques and stuff this looks like very official and austere and it very much clashes with like the rural vibe of the rest of the place, so it stands out definitely in pretty much every aspect. And it also seems much newer. Like a lot of the buildings look like they were here before the barrier. Like, oh, this was just like uh, this was an inn mm-hmm. that people came and like, oh, I you know I ha- I have the consumption. I gotta go <laughs> to this uh, faraway place and like live in a charming bed and breakfast. Uh, but this is like no, this this was built with with magic by people from far away. So hmm. uh, there's really no comparison. It's, it's unlike anything Zoe has seen before.
4: So as she's kind of like looking through this and I guess like walking around, she's just going to kind of call out and be like, hello, is anyone here?
1: Um, After a moment, you hear some footsteps from behind the only door in this room. And there's the sound of, un- of unlocking <laughs> and uh, Warden Light comes out. Quick recap of this relatively newly introduced character, uh, kind of a light silvery skinned angel uh in purple priest's robes very conventionally attractive but also like strangely mannequin-esque like statuesque. there's like an uncanny valley to like how perfect he is um but he looks like just like a really uh handsome <laughs> nice priest man and he walks over and he has like this bump in the back of his robe from his folded up wings and he says ah uh sister legrand how are you this fine evening
4: uh i'm good how are you uh warden light uh
1: every day in the god's grace is a miracle and we're all thankful for it
4: yep so hey uh
1: (laughs) he's gonna answer every question like that by the way i'm sorry
4: (laughs) it's cool I'm, I'm just i'm realizing now i didn't create zoe with the idea of whether or not she had any kind of religious inclination either way mm-hmm. and now you're in the presence of a divinity yep. yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm like huh how do you how do you address this i'm like you know what i'm just gonna go far to the left and she's just like Meh, i don't i don't care i think i'm trying real hard <laughs> to
1: be agnostic yeah
4: she's like i don't believe you you may believe that you're an angel but i don't believe that you are
1: <laughs>
4: you're just a very handsome illusion <laughs> uh no she's gonna say uh i want to call him father because of all the religious stuff in there uh would it be weird to call him father
1: the choice of address i've just i've kind of devised for this uh faith is brother and sister as like everyone's equals under the god of duty brother because okay. that would make them father but you could try <laughs> and he'd probably be like <laughs> oh no 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 my child <laughs> we're all children of torm
4: brother light um i was wondering if i might be able to ask you a couple questions Of course.
1: Ask away, Sister Legrand. I'm here for all of your, uh, all of your woes and ills.
4: So I've been kind of curious about Ilium. Uh, how long have you been here? I'm trying to
1: think how do you refer to it, because he doesn't- angels are immortal. There's no reason to think they have not existed since the beginning of time and will continue to do so. (laughs) So time to them is super weird, but, um, Warden Light says, uh, well, I came here very, uh, soon after- this light descended on the town, and I've been here and trying to lend my aid as best as I can. Uh, does that help, or I don't know the exact year.
4: Uh, well, no, that's that helps. So you weren't here when the light first came down then, right?
1: Uh, correct, yes. I came uh,
4: soon after to aid the people who were stuck inside. Who were the first people here in Ilium then, or was just an entire town here and then the light came down? Ah, uh, There
1: were a few scattered individuals when the light came down, uh, none of whom, to my knowledge, remain. In the early days, there was no law, no order, no justice. And people did as they pleased, quite cruelly, which is one of the reasons that uh, I have found myself so useful here. The people with the best knowledge of these early days would probably be Ishmael Blood Mountain, the giant. And maybe Lady Nim. Uh, the shapeshifters are hard to hard to say for certain because they can change their faces. They could be anybody from day to day. Uh. You understand how that might make it difficult to keep track of the continuity of a single individual.
4: That does sound like it could be a pickle. Do you have any idea what it is that the the barrier is that keeps people from leaving town?
1: The gods give us many mysteries, young Zoe. Sometimes it is not for us to question. The gods give us the tides and gravity and the moon, and these are all miracles for us. I mean, we do not need to ask their their every facet. Would it enhance your, your enjoyment of a sunset to know all of its inner workings?
4: But don't you think a sunset's a little different from a magical barrier that prevents people from leaving just one town?
1: <laughs> uh, it's not my place to question the wisdom of... The greater workings of the universe if it if this barrier is a test from the gods then we will bear it gladly and if it's a trickery from below then the gods will conquer it all that we must do is keep faith and be our best selves every day in the god's
4: light it's gonna like kind of like rub her chin why does this uh interest you so much zoe and I can't lie to this guy, I believe is the thing. Uh, yeah. Do I actively know that I can't lie to him? Like, is that something I just know or... So the reason I said
1: that out of character was because I wanted to give some flavor to the reason him and Bumbershoot were immediately hostile. So I was I was kind of premising on that on like backstory stuff. But for you, there's no reason why you would know that yet necessarily. Okay.
4: So uh, in that case, Zoe would probably just say, "I it's just something that I'm really curious about which would be a lie since that that's a pretty grave understatement as to what her interest in it is
1: sister legrand to bring more falsehoods into the world is only to
4: dim its glorious light oh and i think that's like the moment when she realizes that he just fucking lasered in on her lie she's like oh, oh well I, I mean i guess it's it's a little more important to me than that it's solving the uh, the mystery behind Ilium is the reason I came here.
1: And what will solving that mystery bring you?
4: I don't really know, but it would give me a purpose, I guess. It's important to have a purpose
1: in life and direction, but remember that your personal glorification will do nothing for your immortal soul.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I'll make sure to remember that. <laughs> but I don't want to take up too much of your time then, I guess. Uh, thanks for the help.
1: Have I been helpful?
4: Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like I know a little bit more about Ilium now, so you're a great help.
1: All right. Have a have the rest of a blessed day, and uh, keep an eye on that uh, that Victor you live with. He's uh, quite the troublemaker.
4: Oh, Bumble? No, he's fine. <laughs> he's just a scamp.
1: <laughs> Do you actually honestly believe that? So is that the truth?
4: <laughs> I, I, I don't think she... She, zoe hasn't seen him do anything evil yet or anything like she's seen him be like mischievous and kind of like uh like a little bit of a jerk but
1: i mean he's stolen some stuff and he keeps joking about eating you but i guess you could laugh that off like yeah but I, everybody's but had I mean, that like... one racist friend or you just or you're just like
4: <laughs> you just like,
1: yeah uh, i mean he's 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 listen he's good he's good on the inside it's fine yeah
4: it's push comes to shove you probably you won't probably call you uh a racial epitaph that time
1: also i do like the idea of a racial epitaph because that's not what that means it's very good
4: yeah no i think uh i don't think she she has like a negative impression of uh bumble Shoot. i think she was intimidated by him initially because of mm-hmm. the way their uh their trial went down but i think after that she she's kind of seen a less intimidating side of him since he's been cowardly like kind of eking the rest of the mission yeah all
1: right so uh where do you go next
4: so she'll uh the uh, bid father or uh warden light good day and then uh, i think she's going to head over to see ishmael bloodstone if i believe if i got his name right
1: blood mountain
4: Blood Mountain, I was close,
1: <laughs> yep,, uh, that's just one word, like not no like spaces of capitalizations after the first one, just blood Mountain, like it's a totally normal thing for a person to be named.
4: It's a pretty awesome name,
1: yeah, he's a stone giant, they just do stuff differently, you know, yeah, um, so you kind of just wander off into the the fields that are kind of on the outskirts of Ilium, the just the the rolling hills, and in the distance, you can see there's like just some a gaggle of some giants they just like chilling out in the open and just like... Enjoy-
4: is is that the technical term for a group of giants? A gaggle?
1: I mean, it is now. Yeah, definitely.
4: Okay, cool. Just wanted to clarify.
1: Hold on. We got to check out. <laughs> There's no way that we are not going to get inundated with comments on this. Collective <laughs> noun giant.
4: Oh. Turns out the collective term is a New York Giants. It's called a roster. It's a football joke.
1: Amazing. All right. So at the distance you see a couple of giants. Um, the only one you know is Ishmael, who of course has his huge dog and huge cat on his lap, and they're they're snoozing away while he puffs on his pipe and he talks about giant business with them. He sees you coming, and uh, the other giants kind of leave. It's difficult to understand their customs really, but
4: well, it's it's curious you bring that up. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, were they speaking in giant? Uh, Of course they were, because you speak giant, as was mentioned in, like, episode two. Well, that's what I want to note, because Zoe does not realize she speaks giant. Oh my gosh. The logic being that it happened from a wild magic effect, that she just didn't know what happened, Uh and she hasn't encountered giants before, so I like to believe this would be the first time she realizes, oh hey, I can understand giants talking.
1: Yeah, so as you're approaching, I guess you do hear them. What to everyone else would just be kind of like low, grumbling, deep vocalizations. Uh for you is you, you hear them just kind of talking about yeah, the the sky was filled with specters of the dead and it's a very bad omen and it came from that house and it's like, should we do anything? And they said the the angel the you know, the god's lapdog in the tower will probably take care of it and they say he's probably not looking out for their best interests, he's just he's just in it for his own ends and they're just kind of like talking about whether or not the other people in the town have, they actually care about the giants because there's the kind of social conflict historically between the human sized races and the giants is one of like persecution and fear. And so they're just kind of like talking amongst themselves, like, should we do something we, (laughs) or should we just like chill? And you know, is this going to be a problem basically about the ghosts, which is a, To be fair, all anyone is talking
4: about right now. Yeah. Well, I imagine there's still ghosts like flying around all over the place still.
1: Yeah. Um. So the the barrier of Ilium is like a column that goes all the way around and then just straight up to infinity. And so a lot of them have kind of floated up to a point where you can't see them now. So it's not like the air is always thick with ghosts, but there's definitely some just like milling around now.
4: Mm -hmm. But yeah, they've kind of dispersed to a ascent and they come and they go. Alright, so Zoe's going to kind of, like, approach uh, Ishmael, Mm -hmm. and she's gonna have, like, a strange kind of look on her face, like, she's trying, like, she's almost got, like, her head tilted, like, she's trying to grasp something, and she's just gonna try to say hello, but it's going to be in giant. (laughs) So you just walk up and you're like, Hello! (laughs) Hello! Well, I like to think it's basically just a deep-voiced version of, like, The Sims to anyone else who's hearing, like, Global Florts! bobble, double double <laughs> Plum-bob!
1: <laughs> uh, of course, he is surprised, uh, but instead of, like, a huge uh, animated cartoon surprise, it is a very, like, slow Zootopia sloth, like, <laughs> surprise. That's immediately what my mind went <laughs> Uh And he kind of leans down, taking, a, like, a huge hit off his pipe and says, Whoa. The little one speaks the Earth's language. Cool, man. Groovy. Sure I do! And he is also speaking giant, (laughs) so it's like you can feel the vibrations in your body of this, like, enormous man talking.
4: I don't know when I learned that, but okay. Uh, hi, Ishmael! Hello. How are you? Uh, intrigued. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. My name's Zoe. I was here, uh couple days ago with roland and the the rest of the avant guards uh when they came to ask you for your invitation
1: yeah any friend of the crab is a friend of us
4: awesome uh you you said before you were we hoping for some people to hang out with uh did you want to hang out yeah man you just want to like rap just like
1: pet the dog uh like how big in comparison to zoe is this dog <laughs> the dog is to the giant as a greyhound is to a human
4: so in comparison this this dog's like monumentally larger than zoe yeah
1: absolutely and you're seven physically so <laughs> yeah
4: yeah like it's added even more the fact that she's still a kid uh so uh i think she's probably just going to be like that's okay i'm not i'm not much of a dog person <laughs> a brutal lie she loves dogs. But not that big. The big ones are are more scary. He's like, that that's a bummer, man. That's cool. Like dogs are awesome. Just, you know, not for me. Uh Say what's uh what's in the pipe? It's
1: that dank dank stone mountain <laughs> shit, man. It's that good good kind kush. What's up? <laughs> You want some fantasy Mambo Jumbo? <laughs> Fuck it, I'm on that fucking weed,
4: dude. I got the chronic. <laughs> the, the, the temptation in my mind is to resist the urge for, <laughs> for Zoe to not be like, so puff puff pass what's going on brother are you just gonna leave me hanging here yeah also
1: to a giant like i can't i can't imagine they have a such a fine delineation between child and adult so (laughs) he probably doesn't really like consider that maybe this is inappropriate you're just a, a human to him so and you talk like an adult and you speak giant so like whatever
4: yeah yeah, it's we're cool. I'm not, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, I could just make up a drug and be like, mm, "This is the the Emerald Harvest of the Northern lands or something." <laughs> but listen, let's just let's be real and just be our true selves on here. This is some dank shit.
4: <laughs> oh, very cool. <laughs> I'm about my mind's so caught up in the idea of now Zoe so just being like, "Come on, give me a hit, man." Yeah,
1: I mean, you already were drinking yeah i was
4: like let's just get every vice in and out of the way just immediately basically
1: like i did not realize when this started that you're a considerable part of your story arc would be you obtaining fucking
4: narcotics (laughs) (laughs) like the next person we go into just happens to do fantasy heroin she's like come on what are we yeah what are we beating around the bush for one try buddy come on (laughs) by the end of it zoe's just gonna have a leather jacket and smoking cigarettes uh no she's gonna say uh so hey how long have you been in this town and she's going to, like, kind of, like, I guess, like, sit on the ground or something. So she, like, looks like she's relaxing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're speaking a giant,
1: and he has no reason not to trust you or just be open and honest. So he just tells you the answer. He says, yeah, I saw the light come down, and I actually walked over here. So, I mean, almost immediately after, I was uh, one of the first, besides the people who were, who were here originally, who all got, you know, lilied.
4: Excuse me? What do you mean lullied?
1: Like the people who used to own the Tarsus, and the people who like, lived here, shepherds and whatnot.
4: Wait, do you mean all of the members of the Lilies are the people who were originally part of Ilium?
1: No, I mean the Lilies killed them.
4: Say what now?
1: Oh, I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, The Lilies are devils and fiends, succubi, imps. All kinds of uh, Hellfire guys. So they just, I mean, they they came here and they were like, you're annoying. And then they exploded them. They can't explode me, though.
4: Yeah, man. I didn't realize the lilies have no chill.
1: They stopped uh, being so open about it when uh, the warden came down. He does his best, I guess. I don't know.
4: You don't seem like you're a fan.
1: What have those gods ever done for us, man? You know?
4: Psh, nothing. <laughs> Everybody's looking out for their own. Yeah, I hear that. In my mind, every next line is, pass it this way. everyone." one.
1: She's like, stabbed on her forehead. <laughs>
4: She's just like, come on! So, if you guys were one of the first people here, do you have any idea of what happened to cause this? uh i don't know
1: man i i heard i hear the wizards who come in and they're always talking about some kind of treasure like that there's some kind of uh i don't know secret magic thing or maybe it's like some kind of uh curse or some kind of like trick to like get people in here but it worked out for me man nobody gives me a hard time i just eat my crabs pet my dog my cat Seems like a pretty good curse.
4: And you're happy here? I mean, you came here just to check something out, and now you can never leave.
1: Where would I go? Why would I go? Every once in a while, someone asks me to build a house, and they pay me in sweet leaf, and I just (laughs) hang out, man. Just just feel the cool breeze. It's basically paradise. Hmm. If you ask me, everybody on the outside is the ones who are trapped. Maybe never mind she's just like stoner (laughs) it's 100 percent what's happening (laughs) he leans down with his one free hand and like picks up the cat and like offers it to and he's like you want to hit on this belly
4: yes yes i do do you pet that belly (laughs) i'm petting the shit out of that belly oh wait oh god (laughs) i just realized something yeah so zoe's flaw on her character sheet, is that people and animals are uneasy upon first meeting her because she carries an aura of danger. I love it! Yeah, you go to
1: pet this giant cat belly that he has offered to you, and you startle uh, the cat a little bit, and it you know that thing where they, like, clamp down in your hand when you're getting some belly pets? Oh, God. It would it would be very dangerous for you if you weren't so small that you kind of just, like, get caught in the pads of its <laughs> feet. <And> it, <laughs> It just kind of consumes you. It just kind of surrounds you and you get smashed <laughs> up in
2: the Ishmael! Ishmael!
1: Help! <laughs> and... <laughs> Come on, kitty. <laughs> Don't be like that. And he, like, picks the cat up off you and, like, shakes it around until it drops you. <coughs> soft, right?
4: Yeah, very soft. <coughs>
1: it's good stuff.
4: You know what? You're a real cool dude, Ishmael.
1: Yep. Cool as the other side of the rock.
4: That's me. Word. Dank memes And I imagine she just hangs out with him for a period of the day
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can these guys be best friends?
4: That's what I'm hoping for And then there's a sequel series after this where we're cops (laughs) It's
1: amazing Uh, He does ask you, like, where'd you learn uh, the tongue?
4: Oh, you know, I picked it up here and there Uh, I I, I had a family who was pretty worldly So, uh, you know, just kind of osmosis
1: Nice, nice. And you guys and then you guys just kind of like chill in the field.
4: Hey, want to see me cast <laughs> teleport 3 times? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you can't do that. I won't stop you, but you realize
4: I wonder I wonder if she might try to cast a spell to like just impress him.
1: I mean, it's a huge risk, but you know, it's also I think super interesting i just would want it i want it to be something that makes sense for zoe because i think she isn't
4: she kind of self-conscious about the the collateral damage i don't know if self-conscious is 100 percent the right term she is concerned that it exists but she doesn't let that stop her from doing anything because she realizes she can't do anything to prevent it basically she accepts the consequences of it she's just kind of worn down from the consequences after a while okay presumably you could like try to impress
1: somebody with magic and like be like well if something bad happens that sucks but also i'm willing to live with it the only issue is that in ilium like basically everybody is super powerful in magic so i don't know that you could have anything he hasn't seen before
4: oh got it what if he's like oh shit my pipe ran out and i need i need a new light she's like fireball she just like points into the air
1: listen if you want to do it you can do it
4: i i feel like we are betraying our responsibility to listeners by not doing an episode of wild magic
1: okay so you guys are hanging out and you're just just, just talking about like uh uh evasive talk about your worldly family and he <laughs> and he's a stolen stole the virtues of uh cat and kush and you roll an 18 to re 18 to relight his pipe <laughs> okay Um, so, uh, when you do that, you shoot off a fireball and there's like a a glow of magic from your hand, which kind of roils over you and nothing immediately changes. There's not like any huge explosion. You don't turn inside out or anything, but you, you get a strange taste in your mouth. It's kind of like mayonnaise. (laughs) And as you discover over the next couple of days, your mouth just tastes like mayonnaise 24 oh. 7 and there's nothing you can do about it and everything you eat tastes like just globs of mayonnaise
4: oh that's so brutal
1: and- <laughs> so he's very impressed by your fireball he's like yeah thanks little one <laughs> and you're just like low-key suffering
4: <laughs> oh okay was it worth it <laughs> yeah no it's absolutely worth it <laughs>
3: okay
1: So after Zoe's Sherlock Holmes scene, in which she discovered several facts, recap real quick. No one's quite sure who was the first to come to Ilium after the barrier went up, uh, but light came uh, significantly later. Mm -hmm. The people who lived here when the barrier appeared were later killed by the lilies, and the... Most prominent rumor about the purpose of the barrier is that it's hiding some great treasure within town. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of the big three things Zoe learned during her first downtime. Uh, So for the second downtime scene, let's go to Roland Hawklight. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you are as a level 7 paladin.
3: Um, As a level 7 paladin slash just this year, um, it's a pretty straightforward level. I get an extra level 2 spell slot. And my Paladin's Aura gains another feature, basically. It becomes the Aura of Devotion, which means that myself and anyone within 10 feet of me, um, who is my ally, you know, uh, has protection against being charmed. So it's not just like they have advantage on charm checks. They are flat-out immune to charm, as long as they're within that aura, as long as I'm conscious.
1: Dang, and in a city of a lot of devilish creatures which could mind-control your friends, that is very useful.
3: Yeah, the Paladins Zora is basically their biggest support ability. Uh, Later on, it will get the ability to block fear as a thing. Damn. Yeah.
1: I feel like I really underestimated that class. It's really good.
3: Uh, Paladins, you don't have a lot of options with them, but they (laughs) come with a lot of features, you know, unfortunately you can't upgrade it to the ex model with satellite navigation but that's not really necessary with them the base package is pretty good
1: they come with off-roading though they got the four by four
3: horse yep and horses with anti-lock brakes is the important thing
1: um so so what do you do on your days off Roland?
3: Roland is fairly regiment and that's not too surprising given his pedigree, given his upbringing in the church, given his time during the nightly order, which is effectively mil- militaristic. So his days are fairly straightforward. He begins the day with some prayer, with some readings from the various books he has about uh, the triad, possibly sort of a Mock game of dragon chess effect against himself, where he basically sets up different gambits and tries to resolve them, and shortly afterwards he basically does a patrol each day just to kind of see if anything looks weird, like if there's a corpse that shows up somewhere that he needs to make note of or otherwise.
1: And there frequently are mysterious corpses, as we've discussed before. Yeah, people are constantly coming to Liam, and people just as constantly are dying. There's, it's a, it's not at all unusual for you to find a dead person on your morning walk, and then to have to hunt down a killer and book them.
3: Yep. It, it, one thing I'm going to add is sort of an out of character, sort of setting, sort of information is because of when the warden showed up. Um, I'm going to say that one of the reasons why Roland even came to Ilium was of rumors that he heard of some angel descending into Ilium years ago and wanting to investigate that due to curiosity, among other things, including trying to fix the curse of Ilium, as it were.
1: Nice. I like that a lot. Uh, a lot of the uh, stuff between Roland and Warden Light are implicit as mm-hmm. good followers of the same gods, but there can be room for like nuance there that yep. I think might be very interesting because they don't have to see eye to eye on everything. No, they don't. And I saw a lot of speculation about like immediately, like, Warden Light's up to something, he's evil, he secretly got an agenda. And it's like, all you have to do is ask, you can't lie about it, but also.
3: At of that, like, uh, Roland's divine sense would have been the first thing he did once he walked into the presence of the Warden to confirm that, Mm -hmm. yes, not only is the Warden celestial, the Warden is an angel type.
1: Any spells you would use to, like, read his aura would be blessed, incandescent suns of purity and goodness.
3: It's another useful thing about divine sense because it's something that can, I believe, see through illusions to a certain extent as well, so it's a... There's a lot of support things that Roland can do, which is helpful, but as for what he does on a on a day to day basis, he goes about town, kind of looks over things and and at times just he sees if he finds anyone new to town that he hasn't talked to yet to kind of get a feel for who they are and what they're doing here,
1: oh, yeah, and that ties nicely back into the first episode because you were on your patrol when Zoe just wandered in and was like, "Yep, what up, y'all? It's me, it me, new kid."
3: That's right, and that's and that's something that, you know, it's like, why was Roland walking around? He's just doing sort of his thing.
1: So you wanted to do Dora's crab deliveries, as you promised her, yep. and uh, go check up on your armor, mm-hmm. um, which is currently being held by the Lilies in their pawn shop inside of Tarsus.
3: Right, and the pawn shop, realistically, isn't like something you pawn things off for money. It's more that you pawn things off for favors, from the lilies as basically the most powerful entity in the town.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's more of a trading post, right? Take a favor, leave a favor. Mm-hmm. Take an item, do a hit, <laughs> or, or whatever they want you to do. Build a building in the case of some of the giants, but yeah, you show up and either you want something or you have something to trade, mm-hmm. and that's in, in in the building Tarsus, which used to be an inn. Uh, before they took it over, the main area is a bar. But then, what used to be like rooms that you rent out to sleep in are now like c- criminal enterprises. So one of those is a pawn shop now, essentially, because people don't—you <laughs> don't get travelers who need to spend the night somewhere. If you show up, you either die or you, you know, sell everything you have to get a house built or something. Basically, they kind—they kind of um, have a racket going, mm-hmm. which is what happened to Roland.
3: Effect? <laughs> yeah, that's. Basically, what he needed to do, because, well, the uh, the base is fairly uh, substantial as a building in this town, and that required a fairly significant bit of collateral, and his armor is unique. I've, As far as I can remember, it's fairly pristinely made, If uh, which adds an extra bit of value. Of course, um, at the same time, I don't think anyone in town wants it for themselves.
1: <laughs> no, it's like customary size for your beefy dad bod.
3: Yeah, it's custom-sized for for Roland's body, and on top of that, it's just embroidered with just these icons of the triad, which is incidentally tied to the Warded, who is not really a nemesis of the Lilies, but more of an inconvenience they have to put up with uh, all the time.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of different angles to attack that statement from. One is that, yeah, none of the Lilies would wear the armor because it's disgusting to them as a good religious artifact and the warden wouldn't need it because he's essentially immune to to harm (laughs) he's basically invincible um and yeah and i think in episode two or three Mm -hmm. we talked about you were saying oh you know just in case anybody steals roland's horse and i was like well no one would mess with roland he has strong friends and the implication was the other members of the avant-garde but of course in retrospect it was warden light (laughs) yeah no one's going to jump roll it in broad daylight because the warden would uh, turn them inside out with a flick of the wrist.
3: Uh, I take it the warden is relieved to have at least one person who follows any of the triad, let alone the entire entity of the triad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's one of the things I know it's a pretty obvious question. Like, why doesn't the warden just kill all the lilies? Or why don't the lilies gang up, gang up on him or something? And it's... I mean, that's a good question, maybe to be asked in character. Sure, but there's like an uneasy kind of equilibrium between them, and that's mm-hmm. where the bounty hunters come in: is that they can kind of act as neutral parties uh, that don't start a war every time there's a fight. Yep. If the warden starts hurling holy light at someone, or Nim starts, you know, setting people on fire from the inside, that snowballs into a massacre, and then the population is one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's either light or nim.
3: Uh, from the 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 city's standpoint, it's it's a good thing that uh, the warden is not strictly Torm or tier because that would probably be bad news, and he they would and the warden would probably be very aggressive in those things.
1: Yeah, if he was only justice, he would have to basically mete out justice no matter the cost, and if he yeah. was only duty, he would maybe have to uh, not enact justice right? sometimes if, if there was a greater calling, if, but he has to balance the two, and that's kind of your yep. role in all of this. So I don't know if there's any in-universe explanation for this lore talk we just dropped, but hopefully the audience enjoyed it mm-hmm. as you and Trinity clip-clop your way over to the Tarsus, mm-hmm. if that's indeed where you want to go for your downtime stuff.
3: I mean, he, he, he regularly checks in on the armor and the only thing he basically asks when he visits is if he can check the maintenance on the armor and polish it if necessary to maintain it's good. Make sure that's in good order for when he can actually retrieve it. So it's like,
1: you're checking in at daycare. You're like, you okay, armory, <laughs> my, my sweet plate metal baby. Um, you, you walk into the Tarsus and, uh, right now it's like the middle of the day. So it's not very busy. There's like one or two mm-hmm. people in the corner, just nursing mugs. And you see Carrie at the bar she actually looks pretty different. She, instead of like vibrant red skin with like crazy uh, yakuza ta- tattoos everywhere, she has almost like a human colored uh, skin. Or like her wings are gone, her horns have retracted. She has a much more low key mm-hmm. kind of like goth tattoo stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seems down. Like it seems like that was a deliberate choice to keep her head down and like lay low and not draw attention to herself. Was to kind of look less flamboyant. And she's just like. Mm-hmm absent-mindedly cleaning a a cup that doesn't need to be cleaned anymore.
3: Roland's going to approach the bar, and he could tell that it's Carrie anyway, despite her appearance change and such.
1: Yeah, her, her she just she can move her her physical situation around as a shapeshifter, right? But she doesn't like change any of the core aspects, so you can still tell it's her.
3: He leans in and just says, "Hmm, something bothering you, Carrie?" or
1: she doesn't even look up at first. She's just like absentmindedly just kind of wiping at this cup. And then she like kind of looks up with a start and is like, oh, uh, Roland, uh, hey, no, I just don't worry about it. It's not your concern.
3: Roland shrugs and says, if if something is bothering you and if and all you need to do to get some relief is vent about it, I'm more than happy to listen. I wanted to thank you in either case.
1: I mean, you guys could have thanked me by covering for me like you said you were going to.
3: I, I apologize for the actions of my peers, and regret that you likely got in trouble over it.
1: That's one way of putting it.
3: In any case, if there is another party that the Hawthorns decide to throw, and an invitation comes my way, I'll be sure to forward it over to you as sort of reimbursement for what happened.
1: Who would invite you to a party, Roland? <laughs>
3: Well, let's just say that making friends with the right people is an easy way to slip past the front gates, as it were. Duh.
1: Don't worry about it, church boy. I don't think you can really make it up to me. Your fingers don't grow back, right?
3: No. No, they do not.
1: Then you can't have gone through what I've gone through, so just go do what you gotta do.
3: Very well. Still. Offer some the table if you want to vent further. I can deal with frustration rather well, given the years in the church but i'll make my way upstairs
1: all right leave that leave those leave those here <laughs> she gestures at the bucket of crabs you have with you
3: of course of course <laughs> he just sets it on the bar and moves on upstairs to the uh, to the pawn shop all right behind one of what used to
1: be a cramped little room rented out to travelers is now a little shop or rather a table with all kinds of things spread out across it that people come in and either add to or take away in exchange for some other thing. Um, And behind this table, there is a small red figure. Uh, This would be the pawnbroker, Penny, who is an imp, which is a red devilish creature about the size of a large bat. It also has red bat wings and kind of a scorpion tail, basically the lowest form of devil. That there is, but it is like most devils, uh, pretty hardy when it comes down to it. It's no threat to a seasoned adventurer, but to a civilian, it is insurmountable. <laughs> is kind of the the power scale we're dealing with here. So in a one on fight, Roland could probably take Penny the imp, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean she's she's nothing. It's just in comparison to everyone else here. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: uh, and she sees you come in, and she kind of flaps over, and she's like, "Ah, armor again." Every Tuesday with you.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I ain't scratched it.
3: Hey. I never accuse you of scratching it.
1: <laughs> she flaps over to uh this uh shape under a sheet in the corner. She's it's not even on the table with the other stuff. And on the table there's like swords and daggers, knives, purses, all kinds of things that people, it's like all they had on their backs or in their bindles and they walked through the barrier and the lilies gladly extorted them out of it. Sure. Uh, but your armor is kept in the corner under a sheet, which she lands on, grips with her talons and flaps up to reveal it. This mm-hmm. beautiful set of heavy armor that is basically peerless in quality and adorned with a number of holy symbols. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of Dungeons & Dragons stats, it's like a plus three to like the already ridiculous... Heavy armor stats.
3: Yeah, it's it, it, it's not. I mean, it's it's a complete set of arms and armor. So there's the plate armor, there's the shield, and then there's the sword. And you know, it's uh stacked in a neat little pile there. And possibly one of the reasons why Penny keeps it covered is because it gleams a bit in any light.
1: Yeah, this thing's a distraction. Everyone comes in and they're like, "How much? How much?" And I have to be like. No, nah, the church boys keep saying he's gonna bring me something. Never does. Every week. Empty handed.
3: Well, it's certainly not my fault that a job comes down and it's impossible to turn in the uh in turn in the request in an honest manner, but
1: I heard about that. Apparently you couldn't bring yourself to beat up an old lady.
3: Well, uh by that point her husband, which is a ghost at this point, would have probably assaulted us uh at the Slightest attempt to take his wife away, so
1: You can't take a ghost? You have two hundred pounds on him. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. <laughs> you're talking about a you're talking about the ghost of a necromancer who could have had influence on the other spirits that it contained in a house.
1: Excuses, excuses. Mm.
3: Bring me something good, Roland. Have you been swindling other people recently? Any newcomers you've had to deal with?
1: All day, every day.
3: Any of them actually live for longer than a day?
1: Not my problem.
3: I never said it was.
1: <laughs> oh, Roland, you always write on my Tuesdays.
3: Well, see the armor's in good order. I appreciate that you haven't sold it off to anyone.
1: Who else is going to bring me something as good as you can? You have access to every dangerous person who walks in here. All I have to do is say they did crime. Just clonk them over the head, take their stuff. The warden wouldn't mind. Come on.
3: That wouldn't be the proper way. That being said, if you needed someone to do security details so you could go out and have a little bit of fun yourself, might be a way to barter some amount of leeway.
1: Are you asking us to hire you? You think the boss will hire anywhere, hire anybody who uh, consorts with that Bumber fellow?
3: Listen, I'm not asking you to hire Bumbershoot. I'm asking you that if you wanted... You know you can actually trust me because you actually have collateral on me.
1: Ah, talk to the boss. I ain't hire. I just trade.
3: (sighs) Fine. Some other day. I can tell that she's probably still a bit cross about how things panned out at the party.
1: I heard she had fun. She was mad at Carrie, but, you know, she's always mad at Carrie.
3: How's the new new kid turning out?
1: I heard she's got uh, some interesting potential, and that's all I'll say about that. You feel me?
3: She winks aggressively. I can dig what you're saying here.
1: All right, man. Now get get out of here. Bring me something. Every time, every minute we're talking is a minute you ain't getting me something. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right. You're scaring the customers, Roland. <laughs> you got good juju. Nobody likes it. Get out of here.
3: Just Roland just sort of waves a hand dismissively as he walks out and heads back downstairs.
1: Uh, is there anything else you want to do before you head back to Avant Garde? avant-garde headquarters. You notice that Noe is not here.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say Noe is probably not in... If she was around, she wouldn't be in the bar area. I mean, he wouldn't mind talking to her, but he's not gonna try to push to find out where she is.
1: Yeah. And believe me, this is Austin to sketch now. She will be... She'll show up again.
3: <laughs> I'm fully aware.
1: Believe you me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Roland Hockley, uh shakes his head. Gathers uh, up his horse and stuff and heads back out home and uh, just in time to probably play a game of dragon chess with Zoe, who who reeks of weed a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if you want to give her a talking to about that.
3: <sighs> Listen, the giants mean well. They're just very uh, particular about their indulgences.
1: It's a cultural thing. <laughs> Listen. <laughs>
3: They, they 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 prefer keeping things as slow as possible. It matches their tempo.
1: Mm-hmm. Very much. Uh next up is Theodora, no last name. Hi. How is uh level seven warlock treating you?
2: Uh pretty good. I got some cool shit.
1: I like cool shit.
2: Uh so I get one invocation and I get one spell. Mm-hmm. I took uh there were a lot of cool ones, but I took Eldritch Sight. Uh-huh. Which is I can cast Detect Magic at will without extending expending a spell slot.
1: Nice. So we can just skip all future investigations. You immediately know whatever is important <laughs> in that area.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
3: there's, a, there's a number of invocations for Warlocks that are basically like level one or so spells that you can cast at will without expending anything.
2: I just thought that one might be useful.
1: Yeah, Warlocks get a bunch of really good stuff. It's just they only can do a couple spells per rest is, like, supposedly the balancing thing. It's just in this kind of game where we don't do dungeon crawls. Throws it all out of whack.
2: Plus, I have a bajillion, like, cantrips anyway.
3: That, that is a general balancing thing with 5th edition, because if you do a lot of short rests, then warlocks become significantly more powerful than every other caster in the game.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and what was the spell you took? You get 4th level now.
2: Uh, yeah, but I went with the 3rd level because... I didn't. I wasn't really feeling any of the fourth level spells yet, uh, so I took Vampiric Touch,
1: uh, which is, I assume, self-explanatory.
2: Uh, it, I like have to roll a melee spell attack in to, on a creature within reach. If I hit, it's three d six necrotic damage, and I regain half the hit points equal. I mean, I regain hit points equal to half of the damage. And I don't have a lot of hit points, so I need that.
3: <laughs> what they need to remind you about is remember that your spell slots are now considered fourth-level spell slots, even if you don't have any fourth-level spells. Right.
2: So I think I actually get an extra d6 on Vampiric Touch with a fourth-level spell slot.
3: Yeah, because it's more powerful when you cast it. So there's still utility in taking that lower-level spell. So now you can just basically Kirby up people's health points.
2: Yeah, and I have to make the Kirby noise like when I do it from now on. It's canon. <laughs>
3: It's
1: absolutely mandatory, or you take damage.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's mandatory, or you roll on the magic, wild well, magic table, <laughs> only
1: bad outcomes. Yeah. Um. All right. So, what do? You, what does Dora do on her day off? Now that she can suck people's souls straight out of their body.
2: <laughs> I have a few things I would like to do. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, feel a little bit bad about cock blocking, uh, bumber's bumber slutes <laughs> <laughs> skull stealing. Hmm. So I sew him a cape embroidered with tiny skulls.
1: Aw, that's adorable.
2: I knock on his door. Hey, Bumbles! What? I got you something. I didn't get it. I made it. But I made you something.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He opens the door.
2: And I give it to him. It's like embroidered. It's a cape to replace your syrup cape. And it's got little skulls all over it. Because you didn't get any skulls.
0: All right, Bumbershoot goes through, like, a series of facial expressions. Uh, first, like, anger at what happened before, then annoyance, then he looks at it, and then he just kind of sighs. And then he puts out his sh- hand to shake it, and he says, Mischief friends!
2: Mischief friends! And I shake his hand.
0: Okay. Then he closes the door, and then he <laughs> leaves her alone.
2: <laughs> I slide a crab under the door. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's, let's say it is now canon that the door is just uh high enough off the ground on the bottom for a crab to go under.
2: <laughs> That's, amazing. Except
0: that. That's a
1: very short crab.
0: Yeah, I guess.
2: It could be a baby crab. You don't know.
0: I'm going to kill a baby crab and eat a baby crab. Look, Well, I, I can't eat it, but whatever.
1: <laughs> you breed pygmy crabs.
2: <laughs> yes, I, I breed all kinds of crabs. Y'all don't know my crab life.
1: Mhm-, okay, y'all don't know my crab life an early title contender
2: <laughs> um, so now I'm gonna go talk to Winnie cause I need some I need some info.
1: It's your boy, Winifred, back at it again, my popular demand.
2: Hey, Winnie, what do you know about ghosts specifically controlling them to get them to do what you want? uh that's an ominous question. <laughs> no, it's not. Just
4: don't, just don't think about it. It's not
2: ominous if you don't think about it. You don't know what I'm going to use those ghosts for. Uh, Well, I would say
1: to ask the ghosts, but I guess they're not very communicative. And I would say ask Warden Light, but I hear he's already working on ghost stuff. He probably doesn't want to be bothered. Uh, Didn't the rocks do
2: soul experiments on the outside? Yeah, but I think they're mad at me, so I was going to ask you first. But apparently you don't know. I mean, I could look it up. I don't have—I don't know if I have any books on ghosts at hand, at tentacle. Okay.
1: I'm telepathic. I can't read.
2: Bye. Oh no, no! Sorry. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> and a I'm in a pineapple. Pineapple. Hello. It's your boy Winnie. I'm not mad. I still love you. Bye. Well, I can still see. Bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys had a telepathic conversation in the same room, and then you hung up on him to
2: his face. <laughs> I was out. I was out the door already. Okay, I like mine better, but that's fine. It's all well. I was like in the doorway. I could still see him.
1: Okay. Um. So I guess you're gonna go visit the rocks.
2: Oh yes, I'm gonna slide up in their DMs.
1: <laughs> they have like a charming log cabin, uh, pretty far away from everybody else. Like pretty close to the barrier on the far side of where Zoe came in. So they like to be by themselves and uh, you hear them before you see them because they're kind of on the other side of like a hill and you hear them like yelling and Claudia's like, now to the left back further, right, th- right there. Good. And you like hear them, you, like hurry, like yelling at him basically to do stuff. Um, and as you roll up on their, on their crib, uh, you see them out in the yard and doing basically combat practice. Robin is taking all kinds of different forms, like targets, basically, on one side of the yard. And on the other, Claudia is shooting her projectiles at him as practice. And we didn't actually get to see them fight in the last arc because it never came to that. But what she does is, and as you see before you now, uh, with a wave of her hand, her messenger bag opens up and a handful of precious gems float out. Ruby, sapphire, emeralds and such, which are valuable spell components which is what she used them for outside but here with another wave of her hand she fires them like bullets with telekinesis but she's basically using her slime husband as target practice as he takes uh more difficult targets basically he's like making bullseyes with his goo hand for her to hit and she's firing precious gems at him hey (laughs) that's one way to get their attention Claudia turns to you, and uh, (laughs) behind her, Robin forms the (laughs) shape of a giant question mark.
2: Hey guys, what's up? I'm just here to chill, don't mind me.
1: How are you, Dora?
2: I'm good. Uh, I learned some magic. I have a lot of crabs. I'm experimenting with the new crab species. It's delicious. I got a lot of sewing done. Also, what do you know about ghosts?
1: (laughs) Just gonna slip that one in there, huh?
2: thought you i I thought you'd notice that
1: (laughs) with a wave of her hands she resummons all of her gems and just deposits them back in her messenger bag which closes telekinetically uh and she turns to you and says so you guys let the ghosts out of the box huh and now you're trying to what put them back in is that what this is about
2: oh no i'm not trying to put them back in oh i mean that's what other people are trying to do but i have no interest in that what's where what's the fun in putting them back in the box
1: Oh, I I just assumed, because you work for Roland, and Roland is-
2: Excuse you? I do not work for Roland. <laughs> I work with Roland.
1: Oh, so when the Warden says jump, you don't all jump? Just him?
2: Well, I mean, I jump, but I have to get presents for Ganny. I don't feel like you understand.
1: No, I guess not.
2: I need, I need stuff so I can glorify his Dark Evil mission.
1: This is in-character laughter. She just looks at you, you tiny, slightly damp joker, and just, like, you're trying to glorify his evil mission by, what, playing pranks on the ghosts?
2: Yeah. You don't believe me? I'm literally- his whole thing is- he's a giant eyeball. I'm literally covered in eyeballs. Look at me.
1: You sure the heck are. Uh, What exactly do you want me to help you do with these ghosts?
2: I want to learn how to. Well, one, it'd be cool to talk to them. Two, I want to learn how to, if I can control them. Hmm. Not to put them back in the box, but for other reasons. <laughs> I haven't figured out what they are yet.
1: Secret Ganador reasons, huh?
2: He told me to control them, so I got gotta figure it out.
1: All right. So first of all, Lauren, make a persuasion check. Uh, second of all, let's just recap real quick. Theodore's current missions from Ganador are corrupt the youth. And master the undead to subjugate the living. So presumably you're working on the ladder now. I rolled a 15. 15's very good. She says, I mean, I, I'm just going to be real with you. I'll level with you. I think I can help. But what's in it for us? Because if you suddenly get yourself a ghost army, I feel like that's going to give you guys a pretty big advantage the next time we butt heads on a mission.
2: I really like you guys. What do you want?
1: <laughs> Ideally, just blue sky in it here, I would prefer if you left those losers and just came and worked for me. Us. She says, <laughs> glancing over at Robin, who, t- who forms a giant grumpy face.
2: Uh, oh, I don't think I can do that right now. Maybe at a future date, but, uh, like, I have things I have to do at the avant-garde. It's, it's more ganny stuff, you, You gotta understand, he's like my dude.
1: I mean, listen, I know a thing or two about loyalty.
2: How about whenever we bring in a bounty, part of my payment is something to give you guys? I'll split my payment with you guys.
1: Claudia says, that's surprisingly thoughtful of you.
2: Plus more crabs. Free crabs. (laughs)
1: that's that's all very kind dora but i'm not looking to just get rich or amass just like a dragon's hoard of random meaningless treasure we're trying to get something specific
2: well what is it you're trying i mean like i can ask for whatever i want like i don't ask for money i mean sometimes i do if that's what ganny wants but like
1: (laughs) i mean we can all ask for stuff it just depends on what anybody has to trade for at any given time i mean i'll just come out and say it we're trying to get robin back in his body we're trying to find some kind of artifact or item that can do that that's all that matters to me okay robin kind of takes a big hot elf form and just kind of uh walks away to give you guys some space because he's like feeling Mm -hmm. weird about being talked about without being able to talk back
2: he can form words at us
1: (laughs) he can it's just kind of awkward to have someone talking about you like that listen if you come across something that can help us that's what I need. Or, if you can just be part of the team and help us achieve our goals. I guess what I'm saying is, what I want from you is a promise that if you get something that could help us, you would give it to us. Or, if it looks like things aren't working out with Church Boy and the the Super Sunburn Bro, uh, <laughs> then you just jump ship.
2: Okay, I'm down with those. Okay. I mean, like, I'll keep my eye out. Gany doesn't usually want, like, stuff stuff. Like, he likes pretty things on the altar, but I mean...
1: Yeah, stuff he can look at.
2: That's why I'm so fashionable, haven't you noticed?
1: I... Dora, believe me, I have noticed. Just all your your game is, like, super tight and just rocking 24-7. Um, do you want to come in and get, like, a drink or something? Because I'm going to have to apparently explain ghosts to you. I didn't know that's how I was spending my afternoon.
2: Uh, yes. And yes. <laughs> okay. And also yes. <laughs>
1: okay. You guys just walk inside their, like, nice log cabin and, uh... Robin is, I guess, making, like, tea or something. Um, Just something, like, simple.
2: Doesn't he, like, erode the mugs or whatever, though?
1: He only dissolves organic compounds. So, like, the the classic image of the ooze in D&D is, like, you stumble upon it in a dungeon, and it's full of bones. Because it ate the adventurers before you and dissolved their skin and muscle and flesh, but left their, like, equipment behind. And when you beat up an ooze, you get the equipment. That's kind of the d and d tradition, so he walks around and he like kills grass wherever he steps, which is usually why he tries to like wear shoes or something some non organic shoes but like he he cleans a lot of things he touches, but as long as you don't touch him, you should be fine okay, cool, so he can touch cups and stuff and the pot whatever tin tea leaves are kept in, so he can make tea um and he does and he puts it out and then uh he just kind of leaves you guys alone I go <laughs> It's uh, it's Long Island iced tea.
2: Ah, uh, heck yes.
1: <laughs> uh, Claudia also takes a sip and she says, so do you want just like the crash course and the simplest stuff? Is Do you need like a full rundown?
2: Give me all the knowledge on ghosts and also how to control them. Mostly that. And co- talk to them. I like to talk to them because like, I don't know, maybe it gets lonely being a ghost. Can you talk to ghosts? I don't know how ghosts work. <laughs>
1: All right, so here's the, the quickest synopsis I can give you on ghosts. Uh, when someone dies, their spirit leaves their body and it's supposed to go to the plane most aligned with how they live their life. So if they worship a god, they go to where that god is. If they didn't worship a god, they go to the area where the god that most matches their lifestyle is. However, sometimes that doesn't work for one reason or another. Maybe their ghost uh, gets knocked Around by some powerful magic and just doesn't make it. Maybe they get trapped inside of a barrier, just for instance, just for argument's sake, uh, and they don't make it. And the thing about ghosts is they are as varied and unpredictable as live people. Sometimes they don't remember anything and they're just like disembodied haunting specters. Sometimes they have some kind of agenda and then they try to communicate with like poltergeists. Uh, sometimes they have a very specific power, which they use for something like a banshee. Like we have names for almost every possible way this could turn out, uh, which shows you people have been studying ghosts for a long time. But the problem with just saying, hey, Dora, here's how ghosts work, is that they work in dozens of ways. And that's hmm. part of why it's so hard to study them. I've We spent a lot of our undergrad and graduate work uh, studying them and i can tell you like all the basic types and their abilities but uh if you want to talk to them uh there there is a spell called speak with the dead but the question is how much of their memories do they have to get information that's not sometimes they have a lot sometimes they're like are bound by a tragic love and they all they can talk about is oh jeremy i miss him so much and she's like oh my god gag me with a spoon ghost
2: fuck jeremy
1: it's just right <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> worthless hey jeremy and sometimes they're just like murder ghosts like they just float through graveyards just eating children I, you can't really predict these things until they happen you understand okay the spell and she gets kind of like hesitant at this point but you fifteened on your persuasion uh she says the spell that we ran into trouble with that hurt robin was a very powerful spell to bind a spirit. We were trying to attach and reattach souls to slimes to see if they had them and if they could be domesticated. But the problem with that kind of powerful binding magic is that it affects the soul of the user too, and in ways that we couldn't quite predict. So what I'm telling you now, sitting at my table, drinking iced tea, (laughs) is I can give you a spell to help you do whatever you want with ghosts you just need to know there's a chance whoever casts this spell could be damaged corrupted
2: hmm
1: there's there's possible side effects and collateral damage
2: is there any way to avoid the side effects
1: <laughs> she, there's, like, a couple of expressions across her face. Like, like she wants to laugh, but she, she's kind of angry because this spell, like, ruined her life.
2: Well, not, like, okay, let me rephrase that. Uh-huh. Maybe we could, like, hmm, maybe we could work on researching a way to try to counteract.
1: I've spent my entire life trying to figure this stuff out, Dora. If I had any advice for you, it would be... Get someone else to cast it. Oh <laughs> Someone you don't care if they get corrupted.
2: Oh, that is an interesting phrase you just used.
1: Is it? She like, she's...
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the Dora like rubs her hands together like.
1: <laughs> okay, that didn't mean anything to me, but I'm I'm glad it brought you joy. Thanks. Yeah. Did I help?
2: Oh, you're very helpful. Okay. How many ghosts can it work on at one time?
1: Oh, I it depends on the power of the caster, I suppose. Oh, I mean, you know how you're a spellcaster. You know spells can be cast at different levels, right?
2: That's true. Okay. I don't know what.
1: <laughs> I don't know why mm. I asked that.
2: <laughs> no, I was just—I just be like, I don't know what their level. Oh, never mind.
1: Okay. Uh, at the at this point, Robin comes back, and he is—he uh, actually has a leather book on a tray and he's carrying the tray because leather is <laughs> organic and he can't touch it. Uh, and he kind of sets the tray down and uh, there's a page in there that Claudia flips to if you want to copy it. It's the the spell.
2: Okay, I copy it down.
1: Okay, she says uh, I trust I don't have to remind you of your promise, but...
2: I will keep my eye out. Eyes? And I will come by if I find it. Ah, oh, hey. <laughs> Uh, And I'll tell Winnie to look for it, too. Thank you. Yeah. And if things get real bad over there, I'll come over here. Because I like you guys a lot. Like a a whole lot. Like a lot. I really like you guys.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She's like, okay, that was nice. And now you're getting, like, a little bit aggressive. Like, are you you hitting on me in front of my
2: husband? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Uh, I said you guys. It means both of them.
1: I know. She's, she says, tell Roland he sucks and Bumbershoot to kiss my ass.
2: I will do that. I think Bumbles will be very upset, and I'm really excited to see his face about it when he gets <laughs> mad.
1: Okay. Have a good day.
2: Bye.
1: Uh, is there anything Dora wants to do uh, during the rest of her day off?
2: She'd go home and like work on her crabs and like play with Mr. Smooches.
1: work on her crabs you say (laughs) (laughs)
2: she's
1: like i have a new formula for a pre-buttered crab it's born buttered
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly this one comes with herbs and spices already inside
1: now i'm hungry
2: i'm always hungry
1: all right finally the one everyone's been waiting for. People were skipping ahead <laughs> in the app, trying to see when they could hear the voice. Where's Bumbershoot? Where's Bumbershoot? Hey. <laughs> Bumbershoot Von Victrola, level seven rogue, fanciest vampire. How are you? And what can you do now? Uh be-
0: besides some like minor like uh number changes, the real only major thing uh that Bumbershoot uh has available available to him now is he has a rogue uh, ability called evasive, and that means He can make a dexterity saving throw against an area effect and take zero damage. Uh, Fail the saving throw against an area effect and still only take half. So there's like no way that he can take full damage against an area effect
1: so long as I remember it. Uh, (laughs) So long as I remember to do it. uh, And you also have uncanny dodge, which is basically the same thing for physical attacks.
2: (laughs) I can't wait for him to dodge uncannily so I can like, wow, that dodge was uncanny.
1: (laughs) My point is, he's very hard to hit. Bumbers, yes. How do you spend your days off? Nights, I actually would assume.
0: Oh, it's murder time. <laughs> I'm gonna kill someone until they are dead.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've all been waiting for it. It would be disappointing if you're like, i think I'm gonna go antiquing. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Can you also go antiquing? Or like, after it's how you calm down after your murder.
0: I have so I have I have so much to do, and I have a very like long outline of what i need to do to make sure i do, do this right so i don't think i'll have time
1: all right you have half an hour so let's uh let's go on a ride together okay
0: bumbershoot is in his room first thing he does oh oh, oh i guess i should just say uh, ahead of time oh i'm killing alice hawthorne
2: <gasps> damn son
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway bumbershoot draws a picture of the sigil and puts it in his pocket that's the first thing he does second thing he does is he opens the window a bit and leaves it open and then he turns into mist and he floats over to Hawthorne Banner. Um There's a few ways I can go in, but I'm going to try first way first. There's a bunch of... By the way, there, there's a bunch of different ways that this could shake out um, in my head. The worse for Bumbershoot, the more awesome it is... <laughs> So I'm not so I'm not sure which one I should be rooting for. Um, but anyway,
1: it should be clear by now that Leon is not playing an optimized min-max character. He's playing a selfish asshole. Who wants to do selfish asshole things? And yeah. let's all can we all just get comfortable with that, everyone? Because I've seen some people who are like, "Why doesn't Bumbershoot X?" And it's like Bumbershoot doesn't want to X. What Leon's doing this episode is what he made the character to do: win, lose, or draw. <laughs> right. Like I I do not care if
0: Bumbershoot dies. He does. Doesn't exist. It's
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. He's a valuable three-dimensional person. He has interiority.
0: Okay. The point is, all right. Anyway, back to this. Um, first thing, Bumbershoot wants to do is in mist form. When I go around the um, uh, lawn, are there any skeletons out, or are they just done?
1: The skeletons have reformed and are patrolling as they always do, which was the reason that no one ever—okay—why no one ever messed with Hawthorne House previous to that mission is because it's essentially okay. a skeleton fortress every other day. That's cool. That's cool.
0: Okay, I feel like in misform they are not going to be able to detect me, but we'll see how that shakes out. Stealth with advantage. So you, advantage—you
1: can be spotted. It's just unlikely.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fair. 26 and 13. I'm going to go with 26. Oh, is that the strategical choice you're making? <laughs> yes, it is. D&D <laughs>
1: allows for so many options. How to... <laughs> yeah. 26, you go wherever you want. Okay. Um,
0: first thing I want to do is try to check the uh, second story window to see if there's any way that I can seep in. If that's not an option, there are other ways I can get in.
1: Uh, so the second story window, which the rocks blew out after you... yeah, the yard was cleared of skeletons uh has been fixed is a word fixed in quotes uh you guys remember when you tried to cut up to the second floor through the first floor and it was filled with bones immediately right that's what's happened with the window it's it's now where there was a window there is now bones in the shape of a window
0: okay so i can slip in through 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 bones. If not, it's okay. I'm I'm just at, I, it's in my mind that makes sense that I should be able to slip through a bone. But if not, I can we can do something else. Bones are not air. Bones are not airtight.
1: Fair. No, that's great. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think how like magically if they would have like done like an airtight spell, but that's that's splitting bone hairs at this point. Yeah, you can you seep onto the second floor. Cool. And there is uh, just a bunch of differentiated skeleton parts here floating around cleaning. It's the caretaker again. You locked a lot of it in a chest, but if you recall, <laughs> not all of it.
0: Okay. Do I have to redo stealth, or is that my stealth for for good?
1: Uh, that was your outside stealth.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: All right, let me do it. Let me do it again. Fifteen and twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yep. Uh, you float around here, and the caretaker does not notice you.
0: Okay. Um, I go under the door of uh, Alice's room
1: where we found her last. Mm-hmm. And you went at night. Yeah. Uh, So she is sitting in her rocking chair, napping. Okay. She has the dragon bone staff, uh, like, across her lap, and her eyes are closed, and she's just doing a little snooze.
0: Okay, um, in that case, I'm going to uh, rematerialize, uh, sneak up behind her, and, well, I guess I shouldn't have to, I can just rematerialize behind her, and then use sneak attack. And if she's asleep, that means I get advantage to hit, is that correct?
1: Uh yeah, uh, so a lot of DMs at this point will basically do what in many role playing games is just called a coup de gras. Uh-huh. Uh the question isn't if you hit her, right? That's not an interesting role, I think. She's sleeping and you snuck up on her. Okay. The question is if you can drain her before she can gather enough wits to resist you. Okay. So my question is, do you like besides biting her, do you do any other maneuvers?
0: Oh no! Well, I'm—I I mean, uh, let me be clear here. I'm using back i um, uh, sneak attack to stab her through the head, and 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 then drain her as she's dead. Christ! I'm not i am not, dra- not draining her, and like I'm not gonna oh, like geez. suck start like I'm not gonna just start sucking on her and say, "Hey, stay still." This is unprecedentedly dark, my dude. I mean, dude, what what did you think that was gonna happen? This wasn't gonna be romantic. Let's just let's just get on with it, okay? I thought you had.
1: I thought you had some vampire decorum.
0: <laughs> no, no. Th- th- this, she's old and helpless, and this is happening. So let's not uh, get bogged down in details. Um, do you want me to roll for damage or not? It's up to you. I mean...
2: Everyone's shook as fuck.
1: Um, so why don't you roll me critical hit damage? Oh, only 18. That's not very much,
0: con- considering how much it could be.
1: Yeah, okay. So you materialize, you unsheath your blade, and you stab this poor woman... The problem is that there's a chair in the way of stabbing her in the back. So you have to stab her through the chair, which messes up your aim. Mm -hmm. You do stab her very badly. I'm not going to describe the physical damage in any gratuitous detail because it would be gross. Uh, But she does pull herself off of your blade, startled awake, and very badly injured, turn to blast you with her dragon god-blessed staff. Let's do it. All right. Here we go.
0: This might be fun. It wouldn't be so fun if,
1: like, shoot immediately dies. Yeah. Uh, she gets two attacks because of her level. Uh, 16 and 13. Yeah, one of them hits.
0: One of them hits. But uh, I have armor class 15, so the other one misses.
1: So you take 13 damage. Oh, okay. What she shot out was a bolt of ice Ooh. that just shoots out and hits you. Uh, your flesh is already, like, vampiric and weird. So... yeah. Who knows what it does, but you are badly hurt by it, and you can see she is not defenseless. Oh, of course not. All right, let's do it. 25. Yep. Okay, so she stands up. She blasts you in response. You cross the room, and you stab her again. Mm -hmm. Roll that damage. Okay, so this is just a regular attack because we're, like, face-to-face. 10. So you stab her through the stomach, I guess, with your rapier. Yeah. Uh she's like impaled on your blade and she slams her staff into the ground, mm-hmm. which creates a huge rippling rumbling sound throughout <laughs> the whole building. Okay. So two things happen. One is yeah. the caretaker bursts through the door, forming into a skeleton. <laughs> and the second is uh ghosts start coming up through the floor. Oh God! I've alerted the ghosts Well, she's alerted the ghost, <laughs> yeah, I know I mean, they're back. whatever she did uh is not a traditional d and d spell that does like damage or anything. She basically just like alerted everyone that she is connected to in this building. that's fair. which you know is like her entire security force of skeletons and g- now ghosts too, yeah, so you're you've impaled this woman through the stomach in her study, <laughs> uh but now you are surrounded on all sides by a growing rank of ghosts. And uh, Mm -hmm. this Frankenstein skeleton monster with a spine sword. Uh, Your turn. Okay.
0: Well, first of all, I mean, it's been established that I can make these ghosts, like, get away from me by using silver. So, I have my silverware.
1: Silver hurts ghosts in the same way that regular knives hurt people. Right. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Just want that to be clear. Yep. I'm not defenseless against ghosts. Correct. Okay. Mm, Do I want to kill her or do I want to try to with these ghosts. I really want to kill her. It seems like that—that's why I'm here. So,
1: why are you here? You kind of just did this unprompted. I assume be- there's the just the element of bumbershoots shoots a selfish asshole who likes to drain people. But also, are you trying to get her staff because you think it's going to be useful to fight the warden, as foreshadowed last week? I kind of want power out of this.
0: What would I have? to Let me ask you this: What would I have to roll in order to grab Alice and put my sword to her throat? And tell her to tell her to make her friends go away. Like, what what role would that be? Would that be a strength
1: check? So she is very badly wounded. She's actually like on your blade still. Yeah. For fl- for flavor, I would say there isn't a role necessarily. It's just you need just as long as you're comfortable with the logical consequences of that action, you can just do it. There.
0: Yeah. This might go very badly, but I feel like that's something he would do if he were surrounded. Uh huh. He wouldn't just be like, I'm just going to keep stabbing while everyone comes up behind me. Yeah. So that seems like what he'd do.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say he does that. All right. So narrate it one more time for me so I can get the good, good mental image.
0: Bumbershoot, uh, g- uh, gets up behind her, um, puts his sword up to her, um, and says, tell your minions to back off.
1: All right. Uh, so on one side of you, the caretaker is holding his sword. And the other side, the ghosts are just kind of flooding in. They're not doing anything specific except for gaining in numbers, um, and you're not exactly sure what they could do right now. Yep. Uh, so in response, Alice raises the staff. Yep. And she says, "Max, Max, I love you." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and floating out of the mass of ghosts is the form of her husband, who kind of slowly floats over and um tries to like holds out a hand to like touch her face and like embrace her oh, God. uh while you're holding her like a hostage yeah and there's there they have a brief touching moment oh uh, g- ghost and wife, and then she flips the staff around and shoots a column of magical energy through her own torso <laughs> and through bumper shoot yep <laughs> leaving a basketball-sized hole in his abdomen. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. It's
0: kind of a funny visual. Um, Does he say anything? Uh,
1: probably. <laughs> he probably say, uh, <laughs> And then the cloud of ghosts descends upon the two mortally wounded people. Mm -hmm. their forms are obscured by the activity of just a ton of humanoid ghostly figures swirling around these two and then after a moment emerging from this ghostly cloud Alice sits up her dress ruined with blood but no longer evidencing a hole as she waves the Dragonbone staff over it and it closes up and then next to her Bumbershoot Von Victrola also sits up turns to Alice Hawthorne and says, My love, I've returned. And then Bumbershoot, who is also in that body, says, Get out of my body! First of all, no. (laughs) Second of all, fuck you. (laughs) Third of all, thank you. (laughs) And Alice straightens up. And says, what were you doing?
0: Is she asking me or is she asking the other one? You. Me, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a body. I'm in a weird possessed state.
1: Yeah, you have been possessed. Yeah, let's be clear. I was trying to be artful, but you have been possessed by the ghost of Maximilian Hawthorne. This is awesome. I was not expecting this
0: at all. So this is a fun twist. Um, Bumbershoot says, I want your staff. I need it.
1: She says, you want my staff? That's why you tried to murder me? Obviously. She says, here, take it. And she hits you across the face with it. <laughs> uh, and then she, after you have kind of stumbled to the side, blood streaming from your nose, and she just says, oh, so- sorry, Max, I forgot. And he says, no, it's quite all right, dear. Actually, I'll help too. And then he punches himself in your gut. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that?
0: Um, uh, I'm gonna have to say Bumbershoot makes, um, like a cartoonishly, um, like, like a wild take kind of
1: face, where, where like, one of his eyes starts bulging out. (laughs) And Max says, you wouldn't believe what's in here, Alice. All kinds of terrible, awful things this man has done. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Alice says, well, then I guess we won't have to feel bad about this, huh?
0: What, what, do I, what do I roll to uh, expel a possessed spirit from out of, out of Bumbershoot's body? Is that a religion check, or is that just not on
1: the table? You can roll a religion check to no more. Okay, that's fair. 17. Yeah. All right, so Bumbershoot with a 17, you are aware of the concept of exorcism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it exists. Unfortunately, uh, as a very good magic, you do not know of any good rituals or sorceries that would expel a malevolent spirit, one who's, who has entered a body in anger mm-hmm. that would not also probably kill you also because you are undead as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you exterminate a bug inside another bug <laughs> with bug killer?
3: <laughs> Without exterminating the bug of the outside, just the bug of the inside. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a very, it's a very delicate, uh, mouse trap uh, kind of, uh, ant trap thing going on. Okay. Um, uh, well, if,
1: and there's no way he can, like, physically move, move uh, or... You guys are both in this robot. You're drifting Pacific Rim style. <laughs> so you can, can control and talk and think, but he can too. And if okay. you both want to do stuff, then you'll have to wrestle. <laughs> okay, so so that'll be a strength check then? Well, let's see. First of all, it depends on what you want to do, because he might not not necessarily fight you on it.
0: That's fair. Well, based on their conversation, it looks like they're about to... Kill my body. I mean that. That seems to be the implication of what they just said.
1: Uh, insight. If you want to know what exactly they mean, they do. They they were implying they had a plan for you. But <laughs> all
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I botched. It's a one, and be, and just for and just for flavor because it's negative one. It's also a zero, just for fun.
1: Mm. Um, <laughs> Botch minus one. <laughs> Not only the worst roll, but the worst of the worst rolls. Uh, Bumbershoot, here's what you try to do. <laughs> you think they're going to kill you, so you go to try to stab Alice with your sword again? You're like, aha, <laughs> while wow, I still have the strength to fight!
0: <laughs> that sounds like something I do under false pretenses. Yeah, uh, information.
1: So you raise your sword and you go to step forward, and Max deftly flips the sword over 180 so that you're holding it by the blade just through the air elegantly. It it tumbles over, catches it by the blade, and then slams it through your chest again <laughs> to teach you a lesson with your own sword.
0: Awesome. Do it, how much damage do I take?
1: I was just running off roleplay at this point. You're hamburger, son. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you fall to your knees gushing blood as you are impaled on your own rapier, and then Alice walks <laughs> over, grabs it, and she says... Max, do you mind if I twist this? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Max says, I'm, I'm really not used to the nerves yet. If we could just a little bit easy for today, honey. Uh, and Alice says, fine. Tears it out. And then with a wave of her staff, heals you again.
0: This has been way more graphic than I expected. I thought I was just going to stab someone once. And then, the real fu- and then the real fun of the episode would be Bumbershoot trying to get away with it. Uh, but this is this is actually better.
3: Uh, I was gonna say, this is like, you, like you live by the sword, you undead by the sword. Yeah, there, yes, you do.
1: You, you're like this gross plan is way grosser than my gross plan. <laughs> it really was.
0: My 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 gross plan was mostly one stab and then a lot of like um, Bugs Bunny sneaking around music as Bummer Shoot tried to get rid of the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but any, but this is fine. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, Alice says. <laughs> we haven't been outside in quite some time dear why don't you take uh our friend here for a walk see what's what and uh then report back to me and we'll we'll see if we can go from there maybe fix your life's work and keep it away from uh these very rude kids i have an idea Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) um i'm sorry if this is like um like, I'm, I'm getting into, like, weird specifics about ghosts in my body. Uh-huh. Um, but um, when you say the ghost is in me, is there—is
1: the— <sighs> You are possessed. It is not it's just floating inside your body. Like, in the first couple episodes the ghosts were out, they were just floating inside your body okay. f- physically because it was funny to them. He has used uh, magic to possess you, which is something that not all ghosts can do. Um, as we okay. strangely foreshadowed in, like, a sequence ago, ghosts have mm-hmm. a very strange and wild variety of powers. Mm-hmm. He has possessed you in, like, yeah. an exorcist fashion. Okay.
3: An excromancer, if you will.
0: Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I couldn't just take out a silver knife and stab into my mouth. <laughs> or use a silver spoon and just kind of scoop him out of
1: me. That would be amazing. No, you would just be hurting yourself. But but no, I guess I I, no. I'm going to say then I'm not going to try to do that. Um. (laughs) So at this point, Max is going to try to stand weakly and walk back to the avant garde headquarters and then just kind of try to I mean, because you're sharing a body now you can kind of hear his thoughts in the same way he understand he was also looking through your memories and thoughts. What's he
0: what's he planning to do?
1: He's going to go to the avant garde headquarters Pretend to be you while you know going about your daily life to see the lay of the land because the Hawthorns had deliberately cooped themselves up inside Hawthorne House for decades, and then her after his death continued to do so. So that they don't actually know what's going on in the town. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna see what's happening because suddenly people are breaking into their house, first destroying his life work, and then trying to assassinate her. Okay, so they're like, we need to figure out what's going on out there. That's step one. Step two is if there's more threats to us, eliminate them so we can live alone and happy and like we've been wanting to
0: okay along by but here's the thing along the way uh to headquarters the, the streets probably aren't empty i must run into some people
1: uh so it's streets is a strong word there's a couple Yeah, of you know what i mean like um yeah there's a couple people you probably would see on the way and he would go out of his way to avoid them Mm -hmm. he also can see your memories he knows you're friends with the paladin and he basically says telekinetically to you like you can rat me out if you want and i'll just tell him you tried to murder alice he has the zone of truth i I can read this in your thoughts he would use it he would know i'm telling the truth and he would kill you Mm. for what you've done so we're in a bit of a stalemate buddy
2: Mm. how mad is he at me
1: so oh, the only thing Max knows about you is through Bumbershoot's memories. And so he knows Theodora as a slightly annoying, moist roommate.
2: Okay.
0: I feel like Theodora would try to help me. But on the other hand, I feel like she wouldn't. She would also try to <laughs> find it funny. It's a pretty good prank. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that would be the person I would tell.
2: Does he see me on my way back from the rocks?
1: Yeah, we can have, we can have you two run into each other. If you want, <sighs> how do I want to play? How do I want to play this? Um... So yeah, so Max dodges the first couple of pedestrians, but then he sees Theodore coming. Knows from your memories that she's your friend, and is like, "Well, we're gonna have to run into her anyway. This might be a good time to establish uh, a lie about why you're covered in blood, because you you don't have any wounds anymore because Alice fixed them, and you also know from. <laughs> At Max's memories that they actually kind of wanted to thrash you to bits a couple more times and heal you back up. They just, but it was just hurting Max too much, so they stopped. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, but I wouldn't be like, I know that he, he's like, does the the vampire thing though, because he tried to eat me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's aware of what's up with, with Bumbershoot.
1: I'm just letting you know. You can decide how you want. I'm just letting you know Max doesn't want you to tell anyone yet, because he doesn't know the whole lay of the land. He wants to, you to keep it quiet for now, you don't have to you can fight him on that. I'm just letting you know Mm -hmm. and then if you and Dora want to handle it you guys can handle it.
0: Would Dora have anything in her bag of tricks that could get this ghost out of my body?
1: (laughs) There currently are no spells on any characters that you're aware of that would end this right now. This is a story arc you're going to have to endure for a couple episodes (laughs) at least. I I know
3: one person who would possibly have the ability to help you. (laughs)
0: I love it. You, you. I can't even express to you how much I love this uh-huh. because I thought this was this was going to be very simple, and it's actually
1: like way more fun. Uh, Theodora, you see Bumber Shoot covered in blood.
2: <laughs> oh, did you have a messy smack? You got, you got a little, you got a little something, something, just a little bit.
0: I'm trying to decide whether or not to trust Theodora
1: with the, with what's going on. Max just uh, speaks up first and says. A, I don't know how to do a shoot voice. Oh, a bleeder.
2: I'm really glad I was born in a swamp so that you didn't think I tasted good.
1: <laughs> here's a, here's the thing we're going to have to deal with in character. Max yep. speaks in his own voice. So whenever he, <laughs> he wants to talk as you, Austin is going to have to do a Leon doing shoot voice. This is pretty good.
2: Good. I'm ready for it.
1: Oh, God. Oh, Dora, you're so swampy.
2: I know, it's like my whole thing.
1: (sighs) Disgusting.
2: You might want to, like, deal with that before you go home, because, like, I don't think Roland would, like, let that fly, TBH.
1: Do you have any pretentious cloaks with you?
2: Um, you're not touching my gany cloak, I'm just saying.
1: I didn't bring any of my incredibly tacky wardrobe. (laughs)
2: <laughs> how dare you i just made you a very lovely cape
0: okay, okay bumbershoot uh can't stand it anymore and he tries to regain control of his body long enough to at least talk to theodora you can talk you,
1: can, you don't need permission to talk you can talk at any time
0: um he says in his more clearly him voice mm-hmm. uh uh he says i've been possessed by a ghost i've been and he starts crying I've
2: been possessed by a ghost
0: yes a ghost called flavor (laughs) don't trust the voice that sounds slightly less like
2: me (laughs) i don't know what's going on with you dude but let me help i'm gonna i have pressed the digitation as a cantrip Mm. i'm gonna use it to clean his outfit
1: yeah press the digitation just immediately and without any resources cleans clothes so you're spotless so, so, um, Max is
0: in my brain. So d- does he no, know No, I'm not. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Austin.
3: <laughs> Too bad the DM is now you.
0: <laughs> it can, does Max know everything that I'm thinking and going to do or does, or, or is this? I'm trying to figure out the full extent of this. He
1: has access to your memories. Uh, you the thought is like instantaneous, like neuron wise. So yeah. if you think of something and you want to do it, you can do it before he can stop you. But if you have a plan, mm-hmm. he'll know it. So you know what I'm saying, so you can act. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not gonna like always get like veto on your actions. But if you want to make like a plan, like oh, I'm going to cast him out no, tomorrow <laughs> using this. He'll be like, no, you're not. Like I know you're trying that. But if you just want to like do something, you can do something.
0: Okay. Um. Bumbershoot, um, holds on to Theodora and kind of, like, shakes her, but not in, like, a really violent way, and and says, Find an exorcist! And don't believe me when I say
1: not to!
2: Uh, uh, uh.
1: Don't find an exorcist! (laughs) See?
2: Don't shake me! And don't listen
1: to the things I say in my usual voice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is too much for me. I'm leaving. Bye. And I, like, run away.
3: Back at base, roll it is played, Dragon chest, just like, like, like in his room, bus by himself. It's like, I hope nobody's causing any trouble.
1: And Zoe is cleaning out the fridge with the the most heinous munchies of all time. <sighs> <laughs> so, Leon slash
0: Bumbershoot, what are you gonna do? I kind of want to find a way to contact um, my daddy vampire because maybe he would have a way to get me out of this.
1: I love that. Remember, uh, people looking in see shadows, like silhouettes, but we've established that text is legible because Gonador looks in on Theodora's journals. Right. So while you can't send anything out, you could set up something that someone on the outside could read. The only one who can save me
0: is Count Danto.
1: As always I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our music, which includes Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Be Grooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, and In the Beginning there was Jazz, an arrangement of Beginning from Castlevania. Executive producers for the month of April twenty seventeen are Kirstine Haslinger, Exstellaris, Joseph Tombrello, Andrew Grothin, Jade, the Cult of Gorfinax, Irving Royale, Paul Mullen, Finch de Young, Arjun de Koning, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent Ripter Stormwolf, Miko Kurjo Kangas, Dennis Bangston, Josh Mosier, Andigo Van Dane, James Bevan, Alison Ansell, Sidney Marsing, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savard and Akrisimova, Carl Brady Warner, Kitty Foe. James Neely, Eugene T, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfahrer, Sean the host of Funk Dunk, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Seidlow, Christopher Charlotte, Jorit, Vigor Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremen. If you want to be added to this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash Austin and you can support Leon at patreon.com slash Renegade Cut, and you can also find Chris at patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. You can also help out by finding us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever else you found the show, and liking, rating, or leaving a comment. Every little bit helps, and word of mouth is the only way anyone ever finds out about us. What would an ad for the show even sound like? Yes, come listen to a video game critic pretend to be a lesbian elf. Actually, there's probably a market for that
0: you like freaked out. I was like I'm going to stab someone. It was like that's like the 100th time we've stabbed someone in this se- in over these the last 3 seasons. It's a
3: matter of tone.
0: It's tone, yeah. It's <laughs> like a comedy show ostensibly. I know. I know. It was going to be one stab and that was going to be it. And all of a sudden there's like holes in people's bodies and everyone's bleeding out and I, and I am a ghost marionette.
2: But like I really <laughs> appreciate your commitment to playing it like a truly evil character. <laughs>
0: Thanks. I had so many other ideas for how this could work, I guess we'll talk about how this could have happened on uh the um postmortem yeah, yeah, I mean that I'll have to uh keep my notes
1: yeah, there's no point in making any plans i <laughs> ever just
2: <laughs> half right. my
0: plan worked i got th- I got through um uh Roman numeral two in my outline before every <laughs> before everything uh
3: went shit the the part of the hitch is the fact that you didn't know how powerful Alice actually was.
0: No, no. I was hoping to kill her super quick while she was sleeping, but unfortunately,
2: I thought you were going to go for Garrick.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. Well, Garrick is a powerful wizard, and she is probably an old lady who sleeps a
1: lot. She has a weapon blessed by a god.
0: I understand that.
1: Also, Alice was like well, a possible boss of the entire first arm, <laughs> so she was like balanced to fight the whole party if that came, if it came to that.
0: Well, I actually like the way it shook out. So.